Today's episode of Raptors Reasonablists is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to raptors.robinhood.com. That's raptors.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Hey there, I am not Blake Murphy. Blake is in New York, big-timing all of us. I'm Eric Corrine, and this is the Raptors Reasonablists podcast. We have just seen the All-Star starters being announced, but more importantly, since Blake is not here, we have a special, I don't know, we shouldn't be calling him a guest host, but, you know, a guest, he's going to contribute if he can. The unreasonablest himself, yes. Ryan Wolstadt from the Toronto Sun and Post Media. Waz, how you doing? All right, Ecor. It's finally, the unreasonablest is on the Reasonless Podcast. It feels great. Yeah, yeah. I hope you've brought your <laughs> hottest and least reasonable takes, because uh, we're going to get into They're them all- maybe. Or, or not. It can just be a another conversation where two people mostly agree with each other and then disagree with each other on the margins, which is the ethos of this podcast. I've always uh, got the hot takes. I always have them ready. <laughs> uh, before, uh, we will be going through sort of the Raptors week that was. We'll be going through sort of how Pascal Siakam is doing lately, uh, the All-Star Reserves to come, and uh, the trade deadline only two weeks away, and uh, we had a little visit with an old Canadian friend this weekend. We'll get into all of that. <laughs> but first off, as uh, we're taping this Thursday evening, about 40 minutes ago, Pascal Siakam was named an all-star starter. He was voted in second by the fans among front court, Eastern Car- Conference front court players, third by the players. Fourth by the media, uh, he starts alongside Giannis Antetokounmpo and Joel Embiid, which if Blake were here, he would point out will be the Raptors starting front court in 2021-22. Trey Young and Kemba Walker in the backcourt. Out West, as expected, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, and James Harden. No surprises there. But... This is a Toronto Raptors podcast. Pascal Siakam, can you think was of any more amazing development story in terms of guys starting uh, an All Star game? Uh, like, and no, maybe, in, I mean, and certainly not in franchise history. No, I can't. Like, what? There hasn't been a, a story like this that I can recall in, you know, almost any sport 
you think maybe like Tracy McGrady, but he was still a ninth pick. I know he kind of came out of nowhere his last high school year, I think, and worked his way to most improve and then superstar and Hall of Famer. So obviously that's like what Pascal's got to try to do. But but like I said, you know, T-Mac was still a top 10 pick and people expected a lot of him as good of a pick as that was. Siakam, you know, he's still pretty new to the game. It's wild that, like, he's a guy that basically didn't play only a few years ago. They decided he wasn't ready. Like, after they threw him in for a while, because they had to, they took him out. And, and, you know, he was kind of, you know, then he was the bench mob important guy and all that, and he couldn't shoot a lick. And now this is a guy who's lethal from all over the floor. You know, amazing defensively, you know, arguably a top five defender, at worst a top ten defender in the entire NBA. It's insane. Like... He was at New Mexico State, didn't really have offers. Uh, the Raptors loved him at that workout in Buffalo, which they actually, uh, actually Mike Ganter has a story, Mike colleague coming out on this for, for tomorrow about, yeah. No they, plugs they, here no. for Ganter was. <laughs> we know they, they, they went to see Yaka Pirtle and, and Pascal kind of wild them. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's just wild. That's what you'd have to get back to. Like even Giannis people were figuring out, well, this guy's going to be pretty special. And that's why, you know, a lot of teams were after him, like the Raptors, and he still went in the lottery to Milwaukee. So, yeah, Pascal, it's a great story, and congratulations to him. And uh, it's, you know, it's going to be a good movie one day, probably. As you noted, he's the first uh, Basketball Without Borders graduate to start in an All-Star game. Uh, well, I think I screwed that t- up, actually. Embiid uh-huh. as well. He's the first G League alum. Okay. I think well, it's him and Embiid are the first Basketball Without Borders guys. Well, don't go to the Unreasonablist's uh, Twitter <laughs> account because it's full of false information, apparently. Uh-uh. There you go. Uh, <laughs> no, nothing new for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> didn't touch a basketball until 16 or 17. Even as Nick Nurse pointed out, two years ago, he's basically the 11th man coming into camp. Uh, and you're yeah. trying to sort of find minutes for him. I, I sort of remember watching that exhibition, the two exhibition games in Hawaii, and then uh, the one in Portland. And he had some moments, but it's like, can you get minute this guy minutes? on that mm-hmm. team. And I believe that was a Jared Selinger year. Is that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And yes. he got injured and, uh, excuse me if this is wrong. I don't think no, so. No, no, that's correct. And, Cause Patrick and, Patterson couldn't start a game, you know? Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> no, that see, that was, that was the rookie. That was. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Uh, anyway, Pascal Siakam, what an amazing story. Uh, but it's an interesting time for him to be honored because this isn't the best basketball he's played all year. Before we get to yeah. that, to that was did you have a an all-star starter vote this year no i i uh alternate with gumby and this is a gumby year so the was is left in the cold without a vote would you what would have been your eastern conference uh starters who would they have been i just wish jimmy butler had guard eligibility he's played like half his career as a guard i know he doesn't really do it as often but he yeah i think like guys. everybody would take trey young out and put jimmy butler yeah. in um, but listen, you can't break the rules here. Would you have put you Pascal Siakam in the starting lineup or would you have put Jimmy Butler? I would have put Siakam over Jimmy, but it would have been super close. And like you alluded to, the way Siakam's played since he came back has not been tremendous. So maybe it'll look like a bad decision uh, if he keeps going like this. But I don't know. Like They're both amazing defenders, both great offensive players, I think. Arguably, Pascal's a more dangerous, usually more consistent offensive player, and they're about even defensively. I don't know. It's a toss-up. I, like, I'm good with Siakam. Um, it's hard to find fault with either choice, um, 
But Siakam has not been playing his best basketball, as we talked no. about. His first 19 games of the year. Uh, so that's up until Kyle Lowry returned from his uh, finger or thumb injury. He was averaging 25.6 points, 8.4 rebounds, and uh, four assists per game, shooting 47, 39, and 81 uh, across an, in a slash line. His last 14, and that obviously included an 11-game absence, because of his groin injury, uh, down to 20.6 points. Uh, his rebounding is down, his, uh, his or 6.2 rebounds, 2.8 assists. His uh, field goal percentage down to 43. Three-point percentage has gone from 39 to 33. Free throws have uh, stayed the same. Now, his minutes have been down too, which is mm-hmm. probably a good thing in the long run. But other than the numbers, is there anything you've seen from Siakam's game that sort of suggests why he's he's slowing down? I just feel like he's not as aggressive and decisive maybe as he was earlier in the year. He's not attacking as maybe ferociously, maybe not running as much. You're not seeing those quick uh, throw-ahead passes from Lowry and Van Vliet that have that become so common. I don't know if it's because uh, opponents are game planning for it, if he's tired, if he's not in his best shape because he was off. But I'd say that's the main thing I've noticed. He's just not quite as as decisive and uh, aggressive as he was. As Nick Nurse uh, pointed out, uh, you know he ha- he did have a few that uh, you know it won't look like a great line last night. I believe it was fifteen and thirteen uh, or seventeen and thirteen, uh, but not on good percentages. But he did have a few that went in and out. I remember late three pointer that went in and out, and he did make some big plays down the stretch. He yeah. had. Uh, a big post up on, he got a, a switch onto thigh ball and he started to post him up and the dig was coming from a help defender and he brought it back out. The help defender had to retreat back to the arc to cover the three pointer and he had a very decisive dribble back in and had the short hook for that, uh, for a bucket. And that's the type of Siakam that we're used to and, and what we saw early in the season, uh, beyond the three-pointers falling, which they obviously haven't, you just saw him reading defenses out of the post a, a little better. And right now he's a bit, you know, I'd say jumpier, a bit less comfortable in getting those looks. And uh, so so how much of this is on him and how much of it is on sort of the team has to do things differently in order to get him going? I think well, part of it is you also have Fred and Gasol have – you know, they're playing their best basketball and Powell. So maybe he's deferring a bit more. So maybe, yeah, they just need to reestablish that this is the dude. And also Lowry as well. I know he didn't shoot it well in the last game, but he's been pretty good as well. Uh, so I think maybe they just have to maybe be a little less, uh, I don't know the word, I'm struggling for words here, but they just they need to go back to him being the first option and, and trying to get him going, especially with him struggling a little bit, just to regain his confidence and just to remind him that he is, you know, the best player on the team. Yeah, it's sort of amazing that, you know, his first 12 minutes back against the Spurs were like yeah. the most fluid we've seen him. And since then, it's sort of been a struggle. Uh, so on in terms of the big picture and, and how Pascal Siakam is making the jump from a second or third option uh, to first option this year, how concerned are you about the stretch? Uh, I mean, there's lots of things to explain it away. It's somebody getting used to having the ball that often it's somebody getting used to being game planned about somebody getting used to 
going up against the best wing defenders there are. Where, what's your level of concern as we're uh, you know just past the halfway level with with Siakam's growth uh, to this point? Massive concern. It's all over now. He'll never be the same. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, oh, I forgot. I was supposed to be on reasonableness. Um, yeah. No, realistically, it's not that big a deal. If it keeps going, then I think uh, people might have reason to panic a little bit. But I just think it's you couldn't just expect a straight line as ridiculous as he's been uh, just up, up, up and no stumbles at all. That's just not realistic. As you said, he's adapting to being the, the man and, you know, he, he has such a huge responsibility and so much ground, especially with the way the Raptors play defense. He has so much ground to cover defensively that it's a little bit wild to expect him to be like a, a ultra elite offensive player too. I know he was doing that at the beginning of the year, but I think, you know, I don't think he's going to be as, as shaky as he's been lately, but, he might not be quite as dominant as he was at the very start of the season when he was fresh because just like just the the demands that are on him. Yeah. If you look at his overall numbers, I think they're about, they're at the optimistic, optimistic end of what you could have expected reasonably. For sure. Uh, and what he was doing earlier in the year was an outlier. But I also think, as you said, the recent numbers have also been outliers. Uh, We'll get away from the All-Star in a second, but on your hypothetical ballot, uh, mm-hmm. I assume Kemba Walker would have been a starter yeah, yeah. in the guards. Who would have yes. been your second guard? If Lowry had played some more games, I think I would have felt more comfortable taking him. I still, Trey Young is like the worst defender in the world, but he's also one of the best offensive players we've seen in years. And I know Atlanta sucks. Like we saw it in person. They are horrendous but they would be historically bad without him on the floor. <laughs> so I give him some benefit there. And as much as it pains me to say, I probably would just put him in. I think I would have gone Ben Simmons personally. Yeah, actually, um, you know what? Oh, am I convincing you? Know you? Am I? No, uh, no, no. A... You actually just jogged my memory that I actually, yes. Okay. Never mind. That was me forgetting that I actually put in print and online Ben Simmons and Jimmy <laughs> Butler. When I, so never mind. Forget everything I said. When I put Butler as a guard, I put him there with Ben Simmons, but Yes. Ben Simmons. Oh, I, it's I glad, I'm glad to know you're just making up rules and forgetting no, exactly yes, what you've yes, written. Yes, uh, but that was a while ago. But if it's the official rules, fine. You can't so put Butler ben, in. Then Kemba's going to go for Butler. And I would put Ben Simmons because of how good he is defensively over Trey Young, but it's pretty yeah. close. He's a legitimate defensive uh, player of the year candidate. Yes. But I wanted to, I mean, I think Lowry, we saw Zach Lowe of ESPN picked Lowry on his hypothetical starter ballot uh, that came out today. Um, it's actually not hypothetical. I think he, he did have a starter yeah. ballot. Um, put, yeah. But uh, overall, Kyle Lowry finishes in a tie for fourth uh, behind Trey Young and Kemba Walker, the two starters, and Kyrie Irving. Thanks yeah. to his second place voting uh, in the yeah. fans. Lowry finished uh, sixth among fans, fifth among players, fourth among media, uh, which is sort of the way I expected it to go. Uh, the media is sort of closest to the coaches, uh, yeah. I, I would I would guess. Uh, but that, and by the way, tied with Derek Rose in overall weighted score uh, wow. <laughs> for, for fourth place. So uh, Trey Young maybe isn't ideal as a starter, but, you know, Kyrie Irving and Derrick Rose were the guys right behind him, so it could have been worse. Yes. And if <laughs> but, you're picking but, for fun as well, like Trey Young is a fun all-star yes. type of guy. As much as everyone loves Lauer and he's the best Raptor ever, 
greatest Raptor ever. Yeah. He's not like the fun all-star type that Trey Young is. But let's talk about Lowry. Uh, yeah. In his so now his, his season stats: thirty-three games, thirty-seven point one minutes per game, twenty point seven point five rebounds, four point five assists per game. In the eleven-game stretch. Uh, when Norm Powell, Pascal Siakam, and Marc Gasol were all out, he bumped up his points and assists to 23.3 points and eight assists. Uh, The Raptors went six and five during that stretch, and that's not great, but it could have been a whole hell of a lot worse without Larry. Do you think there's any way he's not voted in next week by the coaches among the seven reserves? And I want, before you you chime in here... Before you chime in, there are a few people, including three-fourths of the Inside the NBA panel, who did not pick Kyle Lowry to be an all-star. Do you want to guess which three didn't pick him? Everyone but Charles Barkley. No, everyone but Ernie Johnson Wow, did not have him on. You Ernie, Johnson, Ernie wow. Johnson, a well-known Toronto stan. Wow. And a few of those guys did have Derrick Rose on the all-star team. That's preposterous. It's great. That's really completely it's insane. just one, insane. wonderful things. Insane. Um, anyway, do you think there's any chance Lowry doesn't make it when the coaches who no. I, I think are the best voting block when you want to eliminate uh, sort of the media impact, but also take some of the, you know, insanity out there. You think he makes it? I think there's no chance he does not make it. I I talked to a couple coaches early in the year, um, just when Fred was playing really really well as well, and it was neck and neck. Like who who deserves it? And you know the answer both time was Lowry. The veteran almost always gets that if it's any kind of uh, thing like that. And just Lowry's so well respected by coaches. <laughs> I mean, some of them maybe wouldn't love coaching him because he can be a real pain. But I think people appreciate what he brings to the table now, coming off the championship win and getting the scoring back up and. You know, having taken more charges than like half the or like a third of the NBA or whatever, like I think people will put that guy in. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's there on merit, but he's also, as you point out, especially there uh, because of who's voting and which. Uh, yeah. As I pointed out on No Dunks this week, cheap plug for myself <laughs> and the and the fine uh, former Toronto natives. Uh, it's ironic that this guy who was sort of disdained by coaches and maybe yeah. was cost himself. Or, or didn't cost himself, that's fair to say, but I think he would have made the All-Star team in 2013-14 if the word wasn't out that he was difficult to deal with. Uh, yeah. from well, a that was the Joe Johnson. Uh... Yeah, seven-time All-Star Joe Johnson getting yeah. in over Kyle Lowry. Um, but, you know, if there's... And I don't think it's close this year, but I think the one he lost that year, he will certainly get this year. Well, I think uh, last year was when he got it. I don't think he really Yeah, exactly. Like, year, he... That's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. Uh, you know, It sort of came down, like, you could have made a ca- case for Siakam last year, right? And mm-hmm. maybe he had the stronger st- statistical profile, but Lowry certainly got the incumbent uh, advantage there. Yeah. Um, would I, I, I don't want to litigate last year's All-Star team. <laughs> I don't remember who made it well enough. Uh, but I, I think... I think... I think in my hypothetical, I put Siakam ahead of Lowry. I think I picked Kawhi and uh, Siakam last year. Yeah. Um, Either way, we're looking very soon. This time next week, we'll be able to call Kyle Lowry a six-time All-Star. I I sort of think the locks are him, Jimmy Butler, uh, probably Sabonis from Indiana, one of the Celtics. Who, which Celtic would you have going? Just out of I went with Jalen Brown. Or sorry, I went with the Jason Tatum. Although yeah. Jalen Brown is really, really good yeah. and 
lights up the Raptors. I just think Tatum's just slightly better. He's been just a tiny bit better. Uh, so it's, it's like a razor thin edge yeah. there, but I'm, yeah. I'd be fine with either, but I think it's Tatum. Yeah. I think, I don't know how to pick, but one of the Celtics is getting in. And I think the coaches will pick Bam out of bail. I'm not sure. I think like they he's should. a no doubt all-star, uh, <laughs> but just because there's no track record of having voted for him, I can't be sure that he'll yeah. get in, but I, I would bet he does. And then the last two spots will come down to the one of the two Celtics who doesn't make it, Chris Middleton, uh, who, I mean, he has the Milwaukee advantage going. Yeah, but I also, think he's like, a lock. I think he's yeah, a lock. He's so, had a great season. Brooke Lopez has had a good season too, yeah. especially defensively, but I think Middleton's been better. Yeah, so if you put Middleton in, we're looking for one spot left remaining yeah. for the likes of Brad Beal, Zach Levine. Uh, did I name Ben Simmons anymore? I, I think I named Simmons we did already. Simmons starter, yeah. uh, Brogdon. Brogdon. So it's a tough call. Uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see which way it will go. I think the coaches will lean winning. So it could be a third Celtic. It could be Malcolm Brogdon. Over and it could be Bradley Beal just because of the track record he has, but I don't have a strong feel for that one. Yeah. Um, let's let's go to the Raptors. Uh, how how things have gone since those injuries, uh, dating back, I believe the last time Blake and I talked to you guys, uh, Marcus Hall had yet to come back. Uh, Tyler will. Not correct me if I was wrong, but apologies <laughs> if he was. Anyway, since Marcus Hall came back last Wednesday against Oklahoma City, the Raptors are on a five-game winning streak. They're pretty, you know, average to subpar offense. Has scored 118.3 points per 100 possessions, which would lead the league over the course of the year. Things that help that are playing Minnesota and Atlanta <laughs> and Washington. So grain of salt. Yes. Their defensive rating was 105.5. Uh, so they've been very good. Uh, and they haven't had a real test, especially considering that Philadelphia lost Josh Richardson early on Wednesday night and that win over Philadelphia. Uh, but what have been your lar- your biggest takeaways since the Raptors have gotten fully healthy? Well, it's been impressive that they continue to stick to those principles that whatever they do, even though they switch it up, when they play a star player, they seem to give him a really, really tough night by mixing it up, showing them different looks. Um, and like they've done all year, even though it's been against some bad teams lately, they, they don't let opponents score in the paint. They're willing to let them shoot threes and beat them like that. And they haven't, not a lot of teams have been able to do that. And they, they force a ton of mistakes. And although they might have some flashy offensive names, they, you know, they really, they get a ton of deflections, a ton of steals, and they just get going the other way. And one of the reasons their offensive rating is so high is because they get so many easy buckets from forcing those turnovers. And like we said, you need to take a grain of salt with the competition. But, I mean, that that's something they've been doing all year, and it, it, it's a real strength of the team. Yeah. Uh, ben Simmons, who was, it should be noted, carving up the Raptors <laughs> to start the game on Wednesday, finished with a very Ben Simmons against the Raptors-esque eight turnovers uh, on Wednesday night. And now, I mean, when Richardson goes out, you're losing another guy who can, you know, create a little bit off the dribble, who can run a little bit of pick and roll. Uh, Brett Brown had some truly terrible lineups (laughs) out there. Uh, You know, I don't know why in a game like that uh, you're ever playing a lineup without all three of Simmons- 
Tobias Harris and Al Horford, but we saw those multiple times. One actually kind of worked, but uh, he I'm does some even... wild stuff. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I like him, I, but yeah, and to stuff. to his to his uh, you know, in deference to him, like they lost Richardson in that game, and it's not something yeah. you go in planning for. Uh, yeah. Nonetheless, those lineups didn't help them, uh, but the Raptors looked really good, and I think the Raptor who has looked best lately. Uh, is definitely Norman Powell, or at least best si- compared to expectations. Uh, his last 16 games, that's since he scored, uh, set a career high, I believe, against Orlando. He's averaging 20.6 points per game on 57% shooting from the field, 47 from three-point range, 86% from the free throw line, and was... He has a 71.1 true shooting percentage. Uh, To give you context for what that means, over the course of the season, and that's only over those 16 games, so that's not his season true shooting percentage. But if you were to take guys who who play at least, I believe, 15 minutes a game and have played at least 20 games... Two, only two players have a high true shooting percent, higher true shooting percentage for that, uh, for the whole year, and that is Damian Jones of, I believe, Atlanta and Nerlens Noel. Those are both low usage guys mm-hmm. who do not take three pointers, who basically only dunk the ball and shoot right around the rim. You know, the old Tyson Chandler, uh, <laughs> you baby. know, shoot, shooting baby. chart, the baby shooting chart. Yes. Um, how sustainable is this? I'm going to say not very, but I mean, obviously it'd be great for the Raptors if it is. I think he's established that he can be pretty solid in a six-man-of-the-year candidate, but I think expecting him to keep going like this is asking a lot. That said, I mean, I don't remember him ever looking this fast, this explosive, like dunking on people's heads, running, you know, coast-to-coast. Like some of the stuff he was doing against Philly was like, wow, he was blowing by Ben Simmons, Al Horford. Those are like guys that are very, very good defensively, and he's just he's making it look really easy. He has been a beast in transition. Um, yeah. And on a, to stand out in transition on a team with Pascal Siakam is is pretty yeah. amazing. But he's doing that, and sometimes, as you say, it's only the it's the you know end to end drives where he's not really passing it. He's just getting yeah. it and going, and uh, that's certainly something. Uh, where he's had problems with in the past, uh, either his drive, his decision making while driving, has been certainly suspect in in the past, and we haven't seen a lot of those. Norm is just forcing up shots at impossible angles, or you know, going up without a plan B and trying to force a pass out too late. Um, and I think the best thing of all of this is, you know, you could have, he had a track record before where he was clearly better as a starter than as a reserve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what it is about, you know, the last four games since Fred Van Vliet returned, uh, on Saturday in Minnesota, or maybe it's only three, three games, I should say. Uh, but he looks more comfortable in this role. And I mean, no, they haven't had a six, like a true sixth man, uh, score since Lou Williams, really. I, I mean, was that a concern for you in terms of Powell's play when he when he did go back to the bench? And uh, again, like, is there any... Th- I, I don't think we expect him to shoot like this for the rest of the year, mm-hmm. but is there a reason to believe that he can continue to be that, you know, spark plug off the bench? Well, first, yeah. I mean, it, it had to be a concern because he'd never shown. He'd shown that his splits as a starter... You know, for years now, I've been really, really, really good. And then at the bench, it was very inconsistent. Like, all those inconsistency issues seemed to vanish when he started. So 
it's a huge development, and I think it was natural for everyone to expect uh, what had normally happened, but that hasn't been the case. And I think I think he's proven now that yeah, he's a solid option, and and maybe it's as simple as those turnovers are way down because he's just gonna go and jam on people's heads. He's not even gonna think about passing, so he's not gonna turn it over. Yeah, uh, the the three over Vince Carter uh, oh, that was stands out as like the coolest moment of the the weekend norm. Uh, mm. He is he's balling out of control, as as the youths say. Um, I smell a week in the life story coming. I've already done a week in the life of Norman Powell. Oh, I uh, forgot. Sorry. If you were, <laughs> you know, if you were a true Eric Corrine fan, you would know this. Forgot about uh, that one. But you're, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the best one to be honest. But uh, it, it was better than the Delon Wright one, which uh, oh, was the challenge of all challenges uh, until I profile OG Ananobi. Yeah, that is the that's the ultimate challenge. Yeah, I, I I'll do that, and then I will immediately retire. I think, so um, but Norman Powell was, was sort of the most likely name to be thrown out in Raptors trade rumors, and it's because of his salary. He's uh, making eleven or twelve million. Uh, if I were Blake, I would have spreadsheets hmm. open. I do not. Um, but the trade deadline is two weeks away, and Norman Powell is going to make a lot of people think about what good options are. We have lots of trade. Content on the Athletic this week uh, on Monday. My trade tiers among the Raptors column came out today. Blake had his all of your trade ideas are bad <laughs> mailbag come out. It's a classic. It's it's it is a great format. It's not as snarky as the name suggests. I laughed out loud a few <laughs> times. Uh, can't recommend it enough. If you have fifteen or twenty minutes to kill, um, <laughs> but. Uh, the trade deadline is two weeks away, as I mentioned, and here's something that will complicate it. Uh, there are currently eight teams that are f- more than four games out of a playoff spot. Minnesota, Golden State, Sacramento, Charlotte, Washington, Cleveland, New York, Atlanta. Those teams don't have a lot of good players, Was mm-hmm. That's <laughs> um, true. Is, is, That's <laughs> probably some... why they are where they are. Yeah, I mean, often talent is there's a strong relation between talent and record, as it turns out, and NBA success. Some of the more popular names being thrown around uh, are Robert Covington of Washington, of Minnesota, who we just saw, Bogdan Bogdanovich of Sacramento, Marvin Williams of Charlotte, uh, the good Morris twin, and that's always changing. But right now, every Marcus, year. yeah, Marcus Morris is probably a bit better than Markeith Morris, who isn't having a terrible year in Detroit. Uh, at least the injury problems are behind them. Uh, what's your sort of stance on what the Raptors should be doing at the trade deadline? As I mentioned, Norm Powell uh, is sort of the one sort of movable mid-range contract that they have, unless you want to get crazy and throw Fred Van Vliet in there. Serge Ibaka is probably your, at $22 million or so, is probably your most, you know, something that can grease something much bigger. What's your, what would you be looking for if you were, Masai Ujiri, which you are clearly not reasonable enough to be. <laughs> I just think it's really tough. There's not enough. There's not a lot out there that's interesting. It's like these the shorter contracts and all that stuff has kind of ruined trades a little bit. And maybe that's something that league needs to think about. It's not as exciting without having as many players available. But anyway, that's a little tangent. You know, they, they could use a little more help up front, I think. That, that would probably be the, the main thing, like a, another four. 
a three four that sort of thing would be yeah. pretty useful. I just yeah, don't somebody know like Marvin Williams would be great. I don't Except think they good. Can. I don't know. I mean, Marvin's I think Marvin. Really- but we're talking depth here, right? Okay, like, yeah, uh, like, yeah. so I don't love Marvin Williams either. He's just but, very old. I like them. Yeah. Before, yeah. He fits but. the general profile. He, de- he defends, he can take threes, mm-hmm. but they like, here's like, they don't have the, the salary. Like you're not trading Norman Powell for him and yeah. you don't have another salary that you can only put so many crappy salaries together before all, all of a sudden you only have eight players <laughs> um which yeah. sort of happened last year at trade deadline are there any names out there that are well, like covington too? would be a really great fit but you're probably gonna have to trade og and an ob to get him and i don't think i would do that um and i don't know if there's anybody good enough to to deal an Ananobi. so yeah i just, put og and an ob in my only happening for a blockbuster uh trade just because of this like You'd have to have Ananobi, and then you'd have to include somebody like Ibaka or, mm-hmm. um, or, or Powell to make mm-hmm. a deal work just within how the CBA works. And when you're giving up that much, you better be getting a huge upgrade back. And that's probably somebody who can start, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, like Kevin Love or something, but you're not going to bench Siak or you're going to move him to the three. Like, I don't know. Like, and yeah. is, what's Ke- is Kevin Love going to get hurt? Is he going to play any defense? Probably yes and no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> if, it's the last, if it's the last defensive possession of <laughs> the it. NBA finals, right. he might play transcendent defense was. Yes, exactly. But, like, I just don't see it. Or even Tristan and stuff like that. It just doesn't make sense. Gallinari, like, it's obviously a great scorer, but is that really the missing piece? Not really. And, like. Are OKC and Toronto really going to make a deal? I find it highly unlikely for a variety of reasons. <laughs> um, you know, like, I just don't see what's out there, unfortunately. It's it's not exciting. and It's bad for the fans and, and everything. But I don't know. It just doesn't yeah, seem I think, like... I think if they can do something small to improve on, like, either point guard or center depth, because uh, they are... they. They are one injury away from sort of being in a bad spot. Maybe that happens. 30 Uh, minutes of my car. Yeah. Or conversely, it could be something very small or something very big. I don't think there's an in-between trade out there. And we all know how difficult making a very big trade is, especially at this time of year. Like we, I think they should trade a second. Sorry. They should trade a second round pick for Sebastian Telfair. (laughs) <laughs> Brian, we were just talking on no dunks. We were talking about Brian Colangelo specials at the deadline. Yes. Uh, Primo Brezic, uh, Patrick O'Brien, oh, Juan Dixon. Any other names I'm, I'm really forgetting there in it's, terms uh, of Telfair oh, the uh, uh, Nando DiColo? Oh, uh, yes, yeah, they still have uh, his rights. Bring him yeah, back. Austin, so that was a great trade. Uh, where's what? Austin Day right now? Oh, yeah, he's, a, he's, <laughs> a G, he's an assistant GM, I think. Yeah, uh, but the thing the thing about a third point guard or a third center is this stuff might be available on the buyout market. Now, we don't know, and as we saw last year, the buyout, I, I think the worst thing that happened to the NBA, to NBA discussion in the last few years was Marco Bellinelli and Ursan Ilyasova completely changing that 76ers team because people now assume that you can just sign somebody in the buyout market and he's going to, like really help things that doesn't usually happen we saw that last year with jeremy lynn we saw that the year before with jason thompson who i must remind you played meaningful minutes <laughs> in the uh in the playoffs that year um it's good you reminded me i did forget that was that the was that 2018 it, it happened some year and it, it was it's not one of very, the cleveland years yeah it was yeah good. one of the years they, they got swept by, yes. by cleveland um so 
yeah, it's going to be hard for them to make a big move. I mean, some of the the bigger names that could move theoretically are CJ McCollum, LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, but even there, like, yeah, they're great players. And the thing you want to add is another guy who can create his offense late in games. Like, but everybody wants that. And those are hard trades to make. And those are also players that are flawed and sort of get you away from your ethos. That's not to say you don't kick the tires on trades like that and seriously consider them when talents like that become available. But making it work and then having the best offer to to get those guys, that's, you know, it's a lot. Uh, and this is a team that just went through giving up a first round pick uh, mm-hmm. two years in a row. And, mm-hmm. you know, their franchise face. So I, I'd say it's going to take a lot. Um, is there any, like, are there any bigger names that you're interested in to, to see if, you know, from a Toronto perspective? I, I kind of like uh, the team they have, to be honest. I mean, I know I mentioned Covington, but I don't know. Not really. I just think, like you said, the minor moves are are the ones that make the most sense. And definitely some point guard depth. I don't think you want to be relying on Terrence Davis as good as he's looked or Patrick McCall. That's heresy. Heresy. <laughs> Terrence Davis yeah. is a god. Uh, yeah, he's great. The new Terry is great. But if you're, if you're seriously trying to win a few rounds, you can't be relying on a rookie. Just, yeah, I think one way or another or another, they will get some either point guard or center depth in there. That probably doesn't bode well for Malcolm Miller because they would, mm-hmm. if it happens on the buyout market, it would have to clear. Uh, they would have to clear a roster spot for that to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But we're a ways away from that happening yet. They do have some. They have McCaw and Stanley Johnson who make, I, I believe, four and three point five million dollars. Uh, respectively this year. So those contracts are not worth nothing if Nick Nurse will let Patrick McCaw be traded, which we don't know. I'm saying no. <laughs> He's, <laughs> you'll have to fire me if you want to trade Patrick McCaw, Nick Nurse. We'll Stanley say. Johnson, he uh, can go, but, but McCaw, I don't know. <laughs> He's the heart of the uh, champion, you know. That's You can't trade away all those rings. So was, I was really hoping for more unreasonable takes from you, to be Sorry, honest. Sorry, I know. I just, I'm too reasonable today. Where is it? Maybe it's maybe it's the co the co host here. Maybe it's the setting. Uh, last thing before we leave, you fine people. Uh, we saw an old friend on Saturday. Oh, I can get Vaughn, a here. Vaughn Ontario's Thornhill. Where where do you call him from? Vaughn Thornhill. Uh, Vaughn, the city above mm-hmm. Toronto, because he knew the song from the old commercial. He liked. Yeah, it. the city above Toronto, the city of Vaughn. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins. Uh, you might recall good people earlier in the year that a bunch of Canadians uh, committed verbally. Well, we have to see them actually show up, but they verbally committed to playing for Canada when the Olympic last ditch Olympic qualification tournament happens in beautiful Victoria, BC home of some uh, new famous people. I wonder if they will be at that (laughs) tournament. Um, but Jamal Murray said he'll be there. Shea Gilgis Alexander said he would be there. Dwight Powell before he suffered a torn Achilles, uh, this week, which is terrible news. Best luck to him in his recovery. Best of luck. I should say will, uh, said he would be there. Chris Boucher, um, Nikhil Alexander Walker, not verbally committing this week. Andrew Wiggins. He said he's focused on the Timberwolves. Jim LeBombard would hate us if we called them the T-Wolves. It's either the Wolves <laughs> yes, or the Timberwolves. He, yes. um, he said he's focused on his struggling team. 
which, as I reminded you, is more than four games out of the playoffs now, unlikely to make the playoffs. They have. They are horrendous. Thing, they they are, are awful. Big things to horrendous. Consider. We've seen a lot of bad thing, bad teams Awful. Uh, in this past week, and we'll see some more bad teams in the weeks to come, which is why Alex Wong is, is predicting a 12-game winning streak for the Raptors. We're five games into that if you're if you're counting at home. Uh, but back to Wiggins. He did not commit. Um, not a surprise, I, I think, to either of us. You were in that scrum with him. I had to uh, to be in the Raptors room. What were your takeaways, and, and what's... What are your general feelings? Like, there are some people out there who are saying, forget this guy, let's not even extend an invitation to him. What are your feelings? I mean, it, it depends who shows up. If you really need him, I think they could get by without him. I think they could really use the guy who looked awesome in October and November, playing the best basketball of his career. Um, is that guy, I, I don't have any expectations that that guy will ever show up consistently. And, you know, I like, I like the kid a lot as a person, but I just think he just doesn't have the motor. He only plays hard when he feels like it against certain teams or certain times when he's been disrespected or whatever. And I just, I just don't think that's a priority for him. He doesn't really care, which is kind of weird because his mom was a really good Olympic athlete for Canada, but you know, he's kind of a different kind of dude. So I kind of get it. I mean, he, it's just not a priority. Could they use him? Yes. But do they need those distractions and all of that? I don't know. Uh, the Athletic Minnesota's John Krasinski, great follow if uh, yeah. you're really into the Timberwolves and listening to this podcast, which is a bit of a strange combination, admittedly, but not impossible. Uh, I hope there's no out. Wolves fans listening <laughs> after I buried them. But yeah. Uh, that. By the way, that was the hot take. That that was the energy yes. I wanted from you. Was. Okay. Uh, so all we right. got in there before the buzzer. But um yeah, uh, he pointed out that spending time with his family, uh, it was sort of sweet after the game. We saw Kyle Lowry with Andrew Wiggins and his uh, his newborn and Kyle Lowry just saying, that's what it's all about. He said that about seven times. So it's nice yeah, when did. you see these these guys being humans as opposed to just talking about them like assets, as we so often do. But he prefers to spend his summer working on his game and with and being with his family. And you're free to roll your eyes at the working with his game part. Uh, but you saw it like I mean, in the first it quarter. This year. It did. Yeah. yeah, it worked. Yeah, you it saw it in the first year. quarter, even against the Raptors. Like he was the best player on the floor, and he was dissecting a yeah. really good defense that wasn't locked in, admittedly. And then he just sort of disappears. Um, I don't think he's going to be there. Do you have a gut feel? I mean, Grange seems convinced he will. I don't, and Canada Basketball thinks that there's a really good shot. But I would, if I were a betting man, I would say no chance. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, that's. All, that's but he does. He's always wearing root sweats when I see him in Minnesota, so that has to count for something. It does count for a lot. Uh, does he? Have, he, <laughs> he probably has, has an endorsement yes, it deal. Probably means yes, he has an endorsement deal. <laughs> um, but it could be a Canadian. He loves Canada angle too. Yeah, and, and let's be fair to Wiggins. Like he's not the only guy who hasn't no, been there over sure. the past years. Absolutely. He did play for them in 2015 when you and I were drinking oh. Coors Lights and slipping oh, on decals. Yes, um, that was. You know, in a in a tournament from hell, uh, not in the least of which for Canada basketball, which ran through the tournament for, you know, every game leading up to, oh, I think they lost to Argentina originally, but then ran through yeah. the competition and then had an inexplicable loss to Venezuela, which is still hurting them to this yeah. day. A little uh, bit of food poisoning ran through them and that didn't go well for them. Yeah, that was not a fun time for anybody involved. No, it was... uh, and... That's sort of, you know, it's sort of why they're where they are today, needing this 
commitment mm-hmm. to get back to the Olympics when they really should have been there in 2016, even if that was ahead of the prime of Canada basketball, and, and I should say the men's basketball team, uh, they should have been there based on their path. This path will be much more difficult. And I mean, yep. you can't turn down Wiggins if he genuinely wants to be there. And even if it's a marriage of convenience, if it's a thing where Canada basketball realizes they need a playmaker with a bit more size, they don't have that type of player uh, out on the perimeter. Most of their guys are either undersized or, or sort of, you know, lankier dudes like uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander certainly fits into that category. Um, if it's a marriage of... And if Andrew Wiggins wants to use the opportunity to say, look, I can be a contributor on a very good team that maybe has an Olympic moment if everything goes right. Uh, He doesn't have to like love Canada basketball all of a sudden, but if they both are committed to using each other, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. And, and I think best of all, he doesn't have to be, you know, captain Canada for that team. There are plenty of other stronger voices on that team. Exactly. You wrote, as you wrote, yeah, they can have a useful relationship with each other and it doesn't have to be anything more than that. Uh, before we go, any any uh, bullets you need to fire out of the hot take gun? Mm, I think I used it killing the wolves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find Ryan Wolfstadt, the Waz's, the unreasonablest work, the Toronto Sun, uh, wherever their uh, content is available. He's on Wolfstadt Sun. Uh, Wolfstat Sun at on Twitter. You don't have Instagram, do you, Waz, or you don't use it? For uh, I use it very sparingly. It's the same okay, thing. So Wolfstat, Wolfstat Sun. You find yeah, me all, if you wanna, all those places. If you, yeah, if you want to follow him on Instagram, you can do that. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Um, as always, if you want to sign up. To the athletic, we would appreciate it. Theathletic.com slash we the six, the number six, not S I X, not six I X. That would be ridiculous. Six man. <laughs> Maybe in the future weeks, Blake and I will have an excuse to talk about Norm Powell making a sixth man uh run of his own. Uh, although I think the two favorites are probably in what was formerly known as Lob City at this point, uh, but today was you are our sixth man. So right. we thank you for you. Th- we thank you for coming off the bench. No problem. Uh, fine readers, we will catch you at Raptors Reasonablest uh, next week at some point. Thanks for listening. Please do subscribe. See ya.